Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. So the Phillies are playing the Dodgers, and they're playing the Padres, and they've been playing the Mets. The Yankees have been playing the Orioles, Altoona, <laughs> Bowie, and Somerset. Is something wrong here? But I, I was just looking ahead at their schedule. Their time is coming. They got L.A. at the end of the month. Um, I forgot who else they have coming up, too. But they, they, they'll have some more competition Lowell, coming up, bottom line. Lowell, Minnesota coming up. Pawtucket? <laughs> uh, that'd be the Rail Rider schedule. What's the difference? <laughs> But, hey, it's a, good teams it's a, also take care of business against the teams a, they should beat. It's, and that's it's what amazing. They're doing. That, I think losing nine games, they've lost nine too many based on who they've played. They should be undefeated. Dodgers almost got swept by the Phillies. Probably should have if the Phillies had a competent bullpen. Yeah, they gave up the what they had a two-run lead in the ninth inning in the last game. Correct, yes. But, I mean, that happens in baseball sometimes. That's what happens when you're playing major league teams. No? That's, I, I forgot. I, I forgot all about that's my fault. That, that That's completely my fault. I'm sorry. I forgot you're, you're, you don't like competition for your teams. I forgot all about that concept. Oh, my almighty! I, I'm, you know, that... I forgot that concept. It's like you just want to. <laughs> Is that what you're teaching your kids? Look, no matter what you do, face the easy kids. All right, we'll come back with our play-by-play call of the day. Here we go. That one drilled out towards left center field. That one on its way. Gone. Grand slam. I see you, Wilson. Career home run number 100 comes in grand fashion. Hanging breaking ball. A four-run homer. And no doubter into the bleachers in left center. Yep, number 100 for Wilson Contreras. John Shambi with the call on the, uh, I think it's what, is it called Marquee? The TV network now the Cubs have Marquee? Correct, yes, it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I had no idea he was doing that now. Good for him. Oh no, he's done this is the second season I've done. In fact, he was on a major campaign last year, which I was one hundred percent behind. He says, Look, we should be calling games in the park. He said, We should not be calling games sitting there off a screen. He's absolutely right. Absolutely right about that and if they're finally back on the road look there's so much more you can see and you can deliver to the fan because you've got that view of everything out there 
And you're trying to do it off a screen? Oh, that's, you know, I had to do some basketball off of that. No football. I had to do some football, uh, basketball off of that. I, they give you all these different views. It's 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 junk, believe me. Getting us back on the road was the be- one of the best things they could have done for us. All right. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory with all of them, by the way, with great warranties. Pre-owned inventory, the Sunbury Motors guarantee. That's huge. And not only that, a service department that takes care of everything. Uh, Inspections, diagnostics, routine. They're just great at everything. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. All right, let's bring in Neil Kulong now. Let's talk about the NFL uh, Neil, always a pleasure. Thank you for having me, as always. It's, uh, it is definitely the highlight of my Tuesday. I know that. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Always enjoy it. Uh, the Antonio Brown thing came up this week. Uh, I'd like to retire a Steeler. And I'm sitting there going, you got to be kidding me. i got all these young players around here. I'm going to subject them to him. Uh, how do you view it? <laughs> oh, boy. Um there's there's a lot to unpack here. I, yeah, I think yes, though, there is. <laughs> I, I think, though, in all honesty, that the surface level is the appropriate view for this. I think he was in town promoting something. I think he wanted to, to connect with the fans that he does have here and express some positive sentiment in a, a, a situation that, in, in all honesty, just knowing Antonio Brown, I really don't – I'm not convinced he feels his departure and his actions that came and, and went with his departure were all that big of a deal. I think he just doesn't recognize it as being a, a, a substantial problem in the eyes of a lot of fans. And I heard about it because usually what I say, and I, I've said this since, since the beginning of it, we're going to regret this. Everybody involved with this is going to regret this in in some way, shape, or form because this is the best environment for him. It's the best offense for him. He's had all of his success here. Everything that he knows as a pro football player is in Pittsburgh, and every side of this is going to lose by him leaving. And that's really what's happened. I mean, he can't say that he's had anywhere close to the success that he had in Pittsburgh. Um, financially or in, in terms of his production. Right. It's not even close. Um, the Steelers got significantly worse as an offensive team since he left. And I, I understand that in 2019, you got, what, five and a half quarters out of Ben Roethlisberger. But right. they would have been able to make a play or two if Brown was on the field uh, during that season. Even even, du- thing, even Duck Hodges would have? I, I think Duck Hodges yeah, okay. All right, I say this loosely. He might have been able to throw a couple five and a half yard you know, near, crossing pattern near him. Yeah, I got you. It, that, that's the thing with Brown, and it, this is a conversation I, I got into with somebody in the media yesterday about it. it, it there is a difference, obviously, in, in terms of the regulation of the game 
um, from 40, 50 years ago compared to now. Receivers are given a lot more room. They're given a lot more um, ability to make plays. But just because it was far harder for receivers back in the day to get open off the line should not discount the fact that after the catch is just as important as before it. Yeah. While today's game highlights that more, yep. it isn't it, – it, it, you can't just say, well, the defensive backs could beat them up down the field. All right, fine. It, it, it's not too hard either to scheme guys open underneath, which it, it's not a new concept either. They did that plenty. They could hit them up to five yards. If you could stop a guy at the line from catching a three-yard pass, you, you are within the rules to do that. So it, it's not a rule change issue. The point being, it, Antonio Brown is, in, in my opinion, the best open field receiver I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that includes Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice, yeah. top to bottom, is better, and his longevity it brings that out. But it, it, Brown is legitimately, in my opinion, one of the five best Steelers players in history. No receiver in the history of the game put together as long of a streak as Brown did. And that, that six-year stretch that he had from, from 2013 to 18, it would have been longer, in my opinion, if, mm-hmm. if he continued playing in Pittsburgh. Right. Things went south. It, it's, it's awful in, in many ways. It, it just shouldn't have happened the way that it did. If he wants to retire a, steal, a Steeler, I don't blame him for that. I mean, I, I think it's fairly obvious that it would be kind of a symbolic gesture. I mean, I, I once saw um, Joey Porter and Willie Parker honored at the 50-yard line of Latrobe Stadium during the Friday night game. I mean, mm-hmm. what, what level of value does this really have? I don't think it's all right. that significant. It's not that big of a deal. For him to say that, I mean, I, I think it's, it's just a combination of Brown just kind of being like that. I, I really don't think he feels anything significant happened by it. He wanted out. That's what he wanted. He got it. He's not listening to anything else. That, that's probably an error on his part. But for him to make that comment, I don't think it goes any further than – he has good memories of Pittsburgh. I, I think he's aware that um, his production, his success came uh, from the, the Steelers. I mean, it's not all him and it's not all Ben. It's not all anybody. It, it, it's, it's the collaboration of all of them that led to it. But Brown had a historic run through the NFL, something that, frankly, not many Steelers players on, on the same level have, have done or have come even close to. So to me, I get where the sentiment would come from. I think he is somebody, unfortunately, that is never going to be viewed in a positive light in Pittsburgh again. But you're going to have to look long and far to match the production that that man had. And I I understand the anger. I understand the bitterness. But Mm -hmm. that doesn't change what what he did and how skilled of a player he was. Uh, No no question he's skilled. why had he openly says he'd love to go to the Ravens? Why doesn't that happen, especially with Hollywood Brown now in Arizona? Um, <laughs> just lobbing me a softball. Here. I know I am. Uh, I, I I know. I, but my idea is that I do this for a reason, right? How I many how many home runs can you hit? That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> On this I could go for days. One of my favorite topics is talking about how or what it is that the Ravens are scouting at the wide receiver position. Right. Um I, I think there are 
there are challenges that come with having Antonio Brown on your team. I think that it, it, it might they might not feel it as uh, the best environment for either side for him to be in. He can certainly be productive, and even to this day, he's still the best receiver that they have right. that they haven't signed. Um, the fact that they wouldn't, though, is really on brand for them as far as they don't want seemingly want to bring in veteran receivers who are worth more than $3 million a year. Right. And sometimes they pay more than that and get less than that. In fact, that seems to be standard operating procedure for them. I, I, I don't... We go around the league. Maybe this is a fun June conversation to have, but I'm not trying to be snarky. I legitimately feel this way. <laughs> I'm not sure there are many examples in the NFL of one team so poorly evaluating one position. Yeah, over and over. And I agree over. with you on that. The Ravens, the absolutely. Ravens. I agree. they 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 brilliantly look at running backs. They brilliantly look at offensive line. They brilliantly look at tight ends, and they do a lousy job at wide receiver. They still evaluate wide receivers like it's twenty years ago. Yes, I, I don't understand. I I will say all this. Too. Let me preface this. I'm a big Rashad Bateman fan um, from Minnesota. I watched him his mm-hmm. college career. He, he's going to be a good player, or at least he should be. Yeah. It worries me that he's with Baltimore because he should be a better player. And I think it, it is nothing but good business for them to have traded away Marquise Brown, who I personally think is not even close to worth what he thinks he's worth. Right. I wouldn't even want the guy on my team, let alone right. need to pay him a, a, an elevated level smallest catch radius in the game um he, he's not mm-hmm. even remotely tough he doesn't make challenging plays I, I i i wouldn't want to pay the guy a lot of money i can find a lot of him you know i i yeah. Steelers repeatedly do that in second and third round i don't know why right. arizona would want to give up a one for him at all but that, that's that's their problem that's another issue for another day um that's kind of what i mean though i i don't understand why the ravens um can't make hay out of pretty much any receiver that they bring in on a, a more prominent level unless they are an aged veteran that they're going to feed the ball to 130 times. Eventually, Steve Smith is going to make plays. But in Baltimore, I mean, they're almost to the point of making a statue for Steve Smith because he made a right. pro bowl. Right, I mean, exactly. It, it, that, that's how receivers starved they are. Yeah. Um, the fact that the Steelers signed Miles Boykin, who was a player I absolutely hated coming right. out of the draft, I, I was floored that they took him in the third round. He was a seventh-round guy. His film was bad, and frankly, the literally the one catch he made last last season, his third year in the NFL, probably suggests that, that that wasn't too far off of an evaluation. I didn't talk to anybody that thought he would have been a third round guy. Yeah. Why did the Ravens take him in the third round? I I have no clue. They they don't seem to have a very consistent or very detailed process on uh evaluating receivers. Um we'll, we'll see. You know, like I said, I, I really like Bateman. I think he's got a great skill set for for any offense. Um, he should be able to make plays and uh, one of the side benefits of, of getting a first round pick for, for Hollywood Brown um, is that, that gives them you know a little bit more space to, to make Bateman a high target guy and I think that's going to be their plan this year. Yeah. Yeah, and plus they could scout the USFL and get a whole bunch of wideouts. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> They're interchangeable. You could go from you could go from I mean, the Pittsburgh Maulers to the Baltimore Ravens. They and they act. See, that's the part that gets me. I know there are a lot of wideouts. They act like it's an interchangeable part. 
Like, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't understand. I, I, I'll say this though. I and mean, Mark Andrews is the most underrated player in the NFL. I think he, he's absolutely awesome. phenomenal. Yep. And he makes up for a great number of sins, but that's a bad offense with an all pro tight end. Yeah. It's, it's making plays left, right, and center all over the field. Mm. How hard is it to find one guy that could run yeah. counter to that? I mean, you really should be able to do that by now. Um, I, I understand that Lamar Jackson is not the, the pure passer like Peyton Manning was, but he's, he's good enough to, to make plays down the field if you give him a, a bit of help. And I, I don't think that they've done a very good job of doing that, to put it mildly. But, you know, hey, their, their offensive line, I think, will be better if, if uh, hopefully for his sake, Ronnie Stanley can, can stay healthy and get out there. Um, Tyler Linderbaum is, is a phenomenal player, uh, certainly for what they do. Yeah. If anything, Steelers fans right. would be really upset that they got yeah. that guy. He's no, perfect no. for them. I mean, that was, that was a very savvy first-round pick. There's no getting around yep. it. Same thing they, in safety. Same thing with Hamilton. In, in Hamilton, my favorite player in the draft, should yeah. not have been available at, at 14, in my opinion. Right. But Linderbaum, more than anything, put it in this context, you essentially traded um, all-in-all all useless receiver with little heart, not a whole lot of guts, and not a whole lot of playmaking ability. A guy that dropped more passes I agree than with you. touchdowns last totally year. Totally agree with you. For a, a, a guy that in that offense is going to be an all-pro player in yep. two years. Yep, I agree. And you get to pay the center – who's going to impact their entire line a huge amount, you get to pay him a, a, a fraction of what the Cardinals are going to pay yep. Hollywood Brown the next two years. That's right. It's an incredible move. And then on top of that, you also got Kyle Hamilton. I think is, is yeah. going to be early on one of the best all-around safeties mm-hmm. in the game. And, and, and they know. a beast. And after having read all those years, they know how to use a guy like that. Yep. Uh, look, okay, so now that the schedule release happened, and I will freely admit I literally watched um, zero minutes of it uh, despite the fact it was on three different channels. It's on three different channels. I'm saying like it's on three channels. How did you, now that you know the order of games, what do you think of the Steelers? Honestly, most of my time with the, the schedule release comes into memorizing it. It's a lot easier to, to be able to recite things when you know yeah. um, the week, the time, everything like that. Um, I, I think it's you know, it's kind of it is what it is. I mean, I guess the main thing that I would look at. <laughs> I love. Is I love it. Whoever, he and I feel the same way. It is what it is. So he and I feel the same way about the it. Bengals, opening against the Bengals kind of sucks, but yeah. playing at Cincinnati wasn't going to be fun, no matter what week it was in this year. That's a tough team to beat. Um, we saw that last year when Cincinnati won something like seven hundred ninety-eight to ten or whatever it was in two games. Um, in week eighteen. Uh, against Baltimore, that's interesting. They don't play, you know, Baltimore Week 18 um, it seems as often as they play Cleveland. Right. So um, that's interesting. You know, their back schedules loaded up a little bit uh, with with their division games, which I think is um, it, that seems to happen for most teams. So I, I, I think it, all in all, you, you really kind of count the prime time games when they have four. I think it was one a month mm-hmm. is what I, I figured on. Yeah. Um, they tend to just crush Miami every time they play in primetime, so that's kind of nice. Um, Colts in primetime, if you want to talk about Antonio Brown, go back and watch Antonio Brown versus Indianapolis. Anytime the sun is not high in the sky, he put up yeah. 11 for 230 and yeah. 4 every single game. Crushed them. Just shredded that team. Yep. 
glory days. But yeah, a different Colts team. I don't know how good they'll be. We'll, we'll figure that out. But um, yeah, it was it was uh, pretty much what I expected it to be. Um, a bye week, 17 games. Um, they're going to play three of those teams twice each, and we knew who the other ones were. I, I don't really think the mat the, the order of it is is really all that important. Exactly. To be honest. I, it, exactly. It's, it's not. We just we we want to immediately jump into the factors in in cosmetic nature more than anything else. I know. You know. I know. Well, the weather's going to be bad when they play the Jets. So that's better for them. And like, no, it really doesn't yeah, matter. I'll, the fields are heated. It's not nearly as cold right. down there as you think it is. I'll I'll, it's, I'll it's, give you a great story about that. 1981, Penn State was going to play Alabama. Bear Bryant. Okay, so it's Bear Bryant, Joe Paterno. In November of 81, they're going to play here. And I'm thinking, they're going to come up here and they're going to freeze. And the temperature was in the 50s that day. <laughs> perfectly like, fine. Okay, perfectly fine. <laughs> completely gone. I mean, Bear's got a jacket on, took it off, it's going to get kind of warm. Okay, yeah. It's like, so... You never yeah, know it, about it, that stuff. Exactly, it, exactly. And I, to, to to reference the Dolphins again, but the monsoon that came through Pittsburgh right after they laid the turf, yes, that created that that three to nothing yes. mud bowl game in yes. Pittsburgh, yeah, which was one of the all time highlight games in, in NFL history, I'm sure. But it, it, that can happen any week against any opponent. Yes. We, we have no idea. Uh, right. If and when it does, I promise you, we weren't talking about the risk of adverse weather in September and October in Pittsburgh uh, against anybody. And if and when it does happen, deal with it. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> As Mike Tomlin would say, we do not care. It, it's, it's not going to, <laughs> to impact nearly as much. Uh, as the ability of your teams, or how about this? We can't predict a quarterback injury. You know, mm-hmm. do, do you think you're worried about playing New England if, if Mac Jones isn't playing? Right, exactly. I'm not sure how worried about that you are anyway. But I have no clue who Mac Jones' replacement is now. So whoever that is is probably not all that good in, in NFL standards. So you can't predict a lot of this stuff. Um, that is to say, you can bank on playing an NFL schedule over 17 games and there's a lot more parity in this league than we think that it is mm-hmm. that, that there is certainly in May when we think that everything is set and this team's going to go 13 and 4 and, and now it, it will we'll see where the cards fall uh, when the season starts but there's a lot that's going to happen between now and kickoff always a pleasure sir you make the Tuesday better definitely thanks for having me guys Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. I think the Yankees open up a three-game set with Sacramento tonight, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll have to double-check that. And by the way, I think Sacramento was outdrawing the Oakland A's. The Oakland A's had 3,100 last night. What a disaster. With the Yankees schedule, I know. All right. <laughs> hey, they got the Angels coming up, and then they'll have two series with the Astros at the end of June and into July. So they're getting there. Yeah, but at that point, the Astros are going to have arm trouble, and there's going to be all sorts of issues. So, I mean, you know, it's you know, right now they're completely healthy, and the Yankees aren't playing them. I got it. You know, they got a three-game set with Veselia coming up. It should be great. All right. Uh, my goodness. I mean, instead of playing the Minnesota Twins, I guess they're playing St. Paul, the AAA team? No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! 
Meanwhile, the Phillies are playing the Dodgers, the Padres, I mean, the Mets. I mean, like, actually, teams. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding you. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 to 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. The great Tony Knopp joins us, my good friend. It is so good to have you back. Hey, no uh, no slander to the Rivercats. Sacramento probably is outdrawing Oakland. No, exactly. No, they, that AAA they park sold draw. out every game. I mean, they draw, what, ten to 14,000 every game, don't they? They really do. They really do. It's, it's uh Yeah, it's almost like uh, we've seen this before. You know, you have an owner that has a dilapidated stadium that's trying to not draw fans so they can move it to another city. We just need somebody to come out of the California penitentiary system throwing the ball 99 miles an hour and uh, bring him back like we saw in Major League. <laughs> we've got all the things in place right now for the A's to become the Major League team. <laughs> Where were you the last like, California Penal League? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a banker in this. Oh, it's great. Well, uh, Tony, let's start. The Big Ten is getting closer to getting its TV contract set. I think idealistically a lot of people thought it might be done by June 5th, which is when the Big Ten presidents and chancellors meet. So we'll see if that mm-hmm. timetable holds. So let's get to the streaming part. Because the Big Ten has met with NBC, CBS, ESPN, Fox, obviously, and they're helping with with this. Yeah, Fox is in the uh, room. I mean, for the listeners yeah, who don't know, right. that that's a very unique situation where they're negotiating with these major players, and Fox is on the same side of the table as the Big Ten is. Right, and that's you know, and remember, Fox also owns fifty one percent of the Big Ten yep. network. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, Turner has has also presented, but so has Apple and mm-hmm. Amazon. Yep. So, Tony, what's your read on the possibility that at least some package, even if it's a small one, ends up being a streamed package from the Big Ten based on what the NFL did with Amazon? It's, I think it's a near certainty, just based on the conversations that they're having with the different leagues, based on what Apple did with Major League Baseball, what Amazon did with the NFL, what they've begun to chase when it comes to live events and then tying those things to unique content that they can have available. You know, following the F1 Drive drive to Survive uh, roadmap. Um, Again, we talk a lot of soccer, international soccer, when I'm on here. That's something that's been wildly successful uh, for the media companies in Europe has been to have the live event piece and then to tie it to the documentary piece that goes along with it. There's an Arsenal documentary this year. There was when Eagles fly, when Crystal Palace came back a couple of years ago. There was, you know, the Liverpool documentary. I think it's a near certainty as they create this content and tie it together that it ties across their technology. And so everybody's been kind of afraid that Apple's going to do this for a long time. It's been a certainty that Amazon's going to do it, but Apple's tipped their hand now and they're in there, and we all and we all see it. So I think it's a near certainty that the Big Ten, and then eventually the SEC, will do a deal with, with the major streamers. Alright, so let, let's get into that, that part of it, the streaming part of it, because obviously, you know, as you mentioned, Apple's in with Major League Baseball. People are not enamored with the presentation, but they're in it. We'll see what Amazon wants to do. They were able to get Herb Street and uh, Al Michaels. Mm-hmm. That helps. And some uh, marquee games. Like they're, they're, they've mar- got some games yes. that are going to draw a good viewership. Yes, they've got they exactly have that. The question is, how do you think it would work on the collegiate level as opposed to the NFL or MLB level? 
Do you think it would have a level of attraction to have a streaming package? I think it does, and and here's why. It's, you know, whenever you talk to the media companies or the brands, and we're in the room for a lot of these things, you're talking about reach. You're talking about how do I expand growth opportunities outside of urban centers and into markets that may be more difficult because they're less centralized to get um, exposure into, and that's college football. Right, what college football really has going for it, you have all these conversations about the USFL and the XFL trying to bring you know, minor league football into smaller cities that can support it. And the same model we were just talking about with the Sacramento River Cats, you know, the Grand Rapids Whitecaps, you know, teams like that in minor leagues who are exploding and supporting these teams. You already have that infrastructure in place with college football where you have major uh, media presences in cities that are not you know, first-tier cities, so to speak, when it comes to population centers and the like. And so I actually am surprised, you know, I think we talked about this a couple of years ago, that Major League Baseball came before college football just because of the the tribal nature that is college football. And, you know, the ratings on college football, as we talked about last time, are so over the top that even when a, a casual fan looks at it and says, wait, when they brought over... When, when they basically poached the best, one of the best or most popular play-by-play people, all they traded was one game, which we talked about the Ohio State game, right? right? Right. That's how valuable that game is. They literally let him out of his contract for an entire year in exchange for one college football game. Right. But it's Ohio State Notre Dame. It's Ohio State, yeah. We all knew what game it was going to be immediately. Right. Right. Yeah, we knew right away which game it was going to be, but that tells you the value of it. 100%. Uh, all right, so now the Big Ten, which is going to end up on multiple platforms in all likelihood, the next one that negotiates is going to be the Pac-12. So, Tony, let's talk about financial separation. This contract, yeah. uh, now, with this contract, everyone keeps saying it's going to double what the Big Ten's getting now. It's not going to. You and I know that. But it's going to be a substantial increase. I think that's fair. Yes. Uh, all right, so the SEC is going to have its contract with streaming being a possibility after that. The Big Ten's going to have its contract. So it's those two, and then it's the next three, Big 12, mm-hmm. ACC, Pac-12. Mm-hmm. What do you think that financial separation does to the game? Because the financial separation is not slight. It's going to be a chasm. It's, it's already significant. It's already, I think last I looked, $82 million versus $36 million on an annual basis between the middle-of-the-road teams from the, from the Big Ten and the Pac-12. That's significant when you're talking about the highest-paid head coach in college football makes 10, right? Yeah. You can hire three Lincoln Rileys and still have more money when you're, you know, a middle-of-the-road Big Ten team as opposed to when you're Colorado or let, let, Utah. Let, let, me or, phrase it, let, let me phrase it to everybody this way. When this TV deal is over with, Rutgers will be getting exponentially more TV and bowl money than USC. Exponentially more, three times more, at least. Yeah. I mean, they're currently getting more than two times more. So it's going to be outrageous. And the concern that they have is how does that money flow through the organization and then how do the collectives change predicated upon what the media deals look like, right? Because if you're, if you're the Pac-12 right now or if you're the ACC and you're a team in one of those conferences – 
you're in a tough spot because the Big Ten has kind of been the pioneers of this whole thing. They did their first deal, and everybody copied it. And that's what's happening here again, too. They're going to bring streaming in. The SEC is going to pay attention to exactly what the Big Ten does and then probably do something very similar to it, try to get more money out of ESPN when they do. So if you're looking you know, at a black hole, if you're USC, if you're Florida State, if you're Miami, if you're Clemson, you know, you've got to find a way to get enough enough interest in your team so that you don't turn into the Tennessee Volunteers, right? Where you were once a national draw and now you can't get a primetime spot unless you're playing SEC football on the road at Auburn or Alabama, right? So the concern that people have is that it's going to create super leagues and they're just going to break away from the NCAA. In the end, the Big Ten and SEC are just going to say, we don't need the NCAA anymore. We can negotiate our own deals. The college football playoff is a place where we can all come together and and pool a little bit more money, and we'll just create super conferences and hopefully poach people to those, the same way Texas and Oklahoma got poached to the SEC. Right. Well, all right. so the Big and that's Ten okay. SEC. Change yeah, is good. The, you and I, you know, we're older guys. We're like, ah, I kind of sure. like the way it was, but yeah, the way sure. it was wasn't like this either. I mean, you look right. at who has the most national titles in college football history. You know, Army's up there. When's the last yeah. time Army competed? Right, exactly. I mean, Pitt's got it. Like they claim a billion, even though most of them are manufactured. <laughs> um, I mean, a lot of them are. It's like, hey, Dunkel says we're first. Good. I'm happy for you. Good. Got it. National um, title. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, like UCF. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they have it up on the, right up in the uh, press box. The all right. So we're talking about the financial separation, which has already happened. But I want to bring in the George Klyovkov factor. The Pac-12 mm-hmm. is not going. They'll be the next one to negotiate. Yep. They're not going to get anywhere near what the Big Ten is going to be. But what kind of uh, chance does Klyovkov give the Pac-12? Because he does have the ability to negotiate at least a decent one. Is that fair? It's fair. George is incredibly intelligent. We worked with him when he was at MGM. Uh, always always thinking forward, and he's, he's playing the game two years from now as opposed to now. He understands the importance of data. He understands the importance of gaming coming into it. He was talking about bowl games getting sponsors from gaming and, you know, beer companies long before that became something that the NCAA released, which was a couple of months ago. So he sees it. I think, you know, the rumor on the street that I'm hearing is they're not going to do a long-term deal because they know that they're in a weak spot right now. They need, I mean, you know, I'm a graduate of USC, so everybody's going to take this and sigh and roll their eyes because everybody hates SC, and maybe they should. But they really desperately need Lincoln Riley to make waves at SC this year. Oh and no, what they need no, to that, do that's is, absolutely right. You are right? that. That is not. That is just. Look, you need your flagships to be really good. Right. And in the Pac-12, USC is the flagship. So if you're George Klyovkov and you're looking at this, you're saying, okay, I'm essentially. You know, he picked up a really tough situation coming in after Larry, who, you know, was kind of a joke. And I think he's looking at this like a star athlete saying, put me on a short-term contract and I'm going to play for the Supermax in two to three years. And that's how the Pac-12 is kind of represented right now. They know they have the Rose Bowl going to be back on the national stage again. They know they have USC playing LSU in Vegas uh, next year, not this coming year. They know they've got that national uh, prominence, and that's what they're looking for. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is a shorter-term deal than what we see yeah. with the other with the other leagues. Yeah, because I think the big I think the Big Twelve gets less. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Definitely, they, they know, just lost and, their two. They just lost right. the two biggest draws. The the Big right. Twelve is in the Big Twelve. The ACC are in real trouble. The AAC is on the way up, right? The AAC has kind of filled that void, right? They've decided, look, we're, we don't need to be a superpower, but there's enough fan base, and we can pick up some healthy organizations along the way. That's what they're doing. And there's a bunch of lawsuits for the listeners who aren't paying attention to it about teams leaving and coming back, and you know how the AAC is just aggressively poaching teams. But I totally agree with you. I think the Big 12 is, is in a death spiral. Right. I, I think that, you know, because I saw a projection chart, and it would show the Big 12 going up, up, up. And I'm thinking, they're no. not going up. No. I mean, they may end up getting 60% of what they have now, and that might be a victory. And the ACC's got a contract Nebraska, that's Nebraska, Colorado, terrible. Texas, Oklahoma. I mean, those were their four flagship teams 15 years ago. Yeah. And have none of them now. Or will none have of them. none of them. No, I mean, right. it, it would be like going back in time and talking to somebody right now and saying, okay, if the Big Ten loses Penn State, Michigan, I mean, you know, take your top four and wipe yeah. them out. I mean, obviously it's not going to be a stronger pro- uh, platform. Right. So it's like saying there's no Ohio State, no Penn State, no Michigan, yeah. and pick one, no Wisconsin. Yeah, take those four out, right? And, and that's that's what's happened to the Big 12, and I think – I think the Big 12 knows it, hence the lawsuits about Texas and Oklahoma breaking their agreements and leaving. But just for Texas, the problem that they had with Texas was Texas did their own media deal, which really hurt the Big 12. And that's something that the that USC and UCLA should have done back when Bill Moose was, you know, pushing everybody in the Pac-12 to, you know, spread the revenue out equally. Because what USC and UCLA were doing was they were trying to copy the English Premier League's um, model, where they said, look, if you're in the top of the league and you're in the top draws, you make more money. Everybody else is going to get rich on this. But we're going to be in a situation where more money is going to go to UCLA and USC than does Washington State and Oregon. And Bill Moose fought this tooth and nail when he was at Washington State, and it really hurt the league for it. Because that's the model that you see with, like, La Liga or with the Bundesliga, where if you look at it, it, it's really fascinating the last place team that doesn't get relegated in the EPL made more money than the Champions League champion made for winning the Champions League. Like, so you created this league like the Big Ten is doing where everybody is super healthy, but you also are recognizing that there's haves and have-nots, and you have to address that. The Pac-12 didn't do that. So George has a lot of weight to carry in renegotiating these deals and understanding that, hey, We've seen how it goes when we're trying to be democratic across all the schools, but it just doesn't work that way, right? It's the same way in the Big Ten, right? The top teams are the ones driving the national interest. Yes, it's great to see Northwestern come up every now and then. It's great to see, you know, Sparty, who's, you know, I hate to say little brother, but, you know, my family's there, a little bit little brother. But in the end, you're going as far as Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, Wisconsin are taking you. You're going as far as USC and UCLA are taking you. And that's what drives national media deals. No question. That's what drives. And Texas, by the way, if I recall correctly, forty percent of the TV money was going in the Texas direction. But they're going to find out there's a good reason why, because the next contract's not going to be that way. And the ACC, this isn't Jim Phillips' fault. The ACC has a TV deal where they are stuck. They're stuck until like 2030. Am I wrong there? It's like 2032 or something. 2036. Yeah, it's absurd. (laughs) They're stuck. (laughs) It's like the Carrier Dome. It's like they signed that deal for like 40 years to have the Carrier name on the Carrier Dome. It's like a Bobby Bonilla contract. It's just awful. Oh, wow. And not only that, when you go in there, they don't have air conditioning. That's not good when it's called Carrier. (laughs) 
I mean, I did a game. I did a game there in 2008. I'm going. I'm, I feel like I'm in a roasting pan in here. I said. I thought this place was named after the air conditioning people. It is. I said. It is. Great. And they it and is. it was named after them for another 20 years, and I think they paid like a million bucks. Yeah, <laughs> 20 years. Exactly. They finally just bought them out of it. Let's get out of this doggone thing. But uh, to but to me, uh, the Big Ten hit it right because in the end. To me, the NFL, when they went with the Amazon deal, that's what set the tone that opened up. Because you and I both know whomever's going to stream is going to overpay for it. Yeah. I think that yeah. I think that's fair. But are they? We don't know if they're overpaying. We think they might be, right? But maybe they're not. Right? Like Jim Delaney, when he did the original deals, right? Remember, we all looked right. at that and thought, this looks really expensive. Yep. Like, are they overpaying for this? And it turns out, no, it was an incredible bargain. So I don't know. That's the only thing I have hesitance on is because you look at deals like this sometimes and you think, mm, Google bought YouTube for $1.5 billion. That's a lot of money. Turns out it was worth $100. Right? I don't know. I mean, maybe these streaming deals are that valuable. I mean, if there's, if there's people smarter than me in this world, they all work at Amazon and Apple anyways. We know that. Right. So maybe, maybe not. Maybe this is just the Big Ten playing chess when everybody else is playing checkers again. I think this is Amazon and Apple playing chess because yeah. they'll end up they'll end up probably not let this is a pure guess, but like a Northwestern Illinois game or they'll end up with Iowa versus Indiana with the yeah. idea that if they're successful with it the next contract they might be actually the the one that gets the big payoff. Right. That's where I think they're playing chess. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where it's you know just get in, show success, learn your mistakes. You know it's okay to make some mistakes on an Illinois Indiana game, as opposed yeah. to doing it when you know Ohio State's playing Notre Dame, and then you have the infrastructure in place. You've earned the trust. They understand they can give you big packages, and now you're you're competing with the big boys on it. Well, we're gonna find out all this in about two and a half weeks. Yeah, so I'm excited about it. It's, it's just great to have good leadership because it changes the way it just changes the course of everything so fast, Agreed. and it's incredible to see how much it ma- it changes. Right? It's you look at the formation of the EPL. There were five core teams to that. Everton was one of them. Everton can't right. win anything now. You're gonna, we're going to look back on what you and I are talking about over the last ten years and say there were five major conferences that were involved in these conversations. And unfortunately, it's the Pac-12 or Big 12 that are going to end up being Everton. The also-rans. Right. Exactly. Yes, I mean, it's exactly right. And uh, and it's going to be the people that understood the landscape and what it currently is and what it can be are the, going to be the winners. Yeah. It, it's incredible that, to watch. It, it seems so obvious. Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, but yeah. it seemed obvious in the moment too when they had that giant right. blow up in the Pac twelve where everybody was fighting. I think anybody from the outside would have looked at this and said, "No, you're obviously a you know a media market heavy conference where Stanford, Cal, USC, and UCLA are in the biggest markets by an order of magnitude. We need to give more resources there." The yeah. Big Ten understood that. The SEC understood that. The Pac-12 didn't. Right. The ACC didn't. Right. right? The right. ACC is as top-heavy a league as there's ever been. Right? They had oh. three teams that were competitive nationally, and that was it. That's right. Otherwise, yeah. they're a basketball league. And instead yeah. of pouring their resources into those teams, they tried to play the magnanimous, you know, uh, d- Democrat to all of them, the democracy. And what did it do? It weakened the entire league. 
free yourself up in two and a half weeks. We'll revisit this conversation when it comes to fruition. How about that? Yeah, absolutely. Tony, always, always a pleasure, my friend. Absolutely. Hopefully talk soon. We've got to talk the Cutter World Cup next time. Yeah. The sales yeah, numbers I'm, are crazy. They, they just sold more tickets than Brazil. I know. It's. I, I never that thought possible? that would happen. I never thought it would happen. But to their credit, it has. So we're going to talk about that and about this contract and a lot more. That's why we got to – that's why – Tony and I have agreed he's got to come on, like, way more than we've had him on. So. I love Tony, it. Th- Let me know. Yep. Tony, thank you, my friend. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Tony Knopp. You know, we were, I was going to ask him about uh, 107 FM, but I was, you know, I just, you know, we didn't have time to get there. What? You notice when I talk to Tony about media deals, the suit never comes up. Have you noticed that? Well, yeah, that's not surprising. But he tells us he's a major player. And, and my response always is, you're a player, all right. <laughs> For certain events. That's the thing. Oh. All right. Yankees have a big three-game set coming up with Frederick. No? We're ready. Have you? I hope so. See, your, your ace pitcher there, not Garrett Cole, the other kid, Cortez. Had to delete a whole bunch of his Twitter accounts. Yeah. Not great. I'm one of them, though. He spoke highly of you. Oh, good. I'm glad. I love Nasty Nestor. But the other parts were nasty. Hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Mm. Out of auto repair.